This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on Us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of forty-five dollars equivalent to fifteen dollars per month. Unlimited over forty gigabytes per month, face lower speeds. Videos at four eighty p. Active mint customers by five thirty-one twenty-four. Get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG. Namaste, Yoga Revealed Podcast. This is Alec Vishal Rubin, and it is a gift to be revealing yoga with you. Just as you go out to the world and shine your light so bright, we are so excited to be sharing with you some of the most inspired wisdom keepers and light warriors here in the yoga world. I am here in London spreading my heart and seeing all beings with kind eyes as I embark through a master's degree program at SOAS University, pursuing a master's in traditions of yoga and meditation. Along the way, I'm meeting so many amazing beings like yourself. And if you live here in London, feel free to get in touch with me. I'd love to connect with you. Today, I have a special guest to introduce to you, Niraj Shah, who founded London's Meditation Unlocked Group, which is all about slowing the moment down and getting quiet in the monkey mind. This is for the businessman and the entrepreneur who feel like they might not have time to meditate during the day. Check out this episode and stay tuned for more. Namaste, Yoga Revealed Podcast. It is so lovely to be back online with you. This is Alec Vishal Rubin, and I'm super grateful to be tuning in with you today on the podcast. So I'm here in London, and I have moved to London. I've been here for the last seven weeks, and truth be told, I've just landed in my heart after a initiation rite of moving across the planet and feeling London's frequency and leaving my tribe, leaving everything that I know in comfort to explore myself. And that is really the essence of today's podcast, exploring ourselves through the practice of meditation. So, you know, when scrolling on your phone, sometimes you see these inspiring people 
who are creating a amazing offering to the greater communities. And I think that's one of the beauties of social media. So here's Alec. I'm sitting at home one night just looking at the London yoga scene. And I stumble across this thing called Meditation Unlocked. And I was like, huh, that's curious. What is that? And I, I uh, meet this guy uh, online, and his name's Niraj. And uh, um, I reach out. And, you know, it's the beauty of uh, high-tech technology. So here I am sitting across from Niraj Shah. Is that your name right? You did. Yeah, oh, yeah. great. And uh, he's a beautiful brother. And we're here in London. And I'm so excited to host him on the podcast to share his story of yoga and meditation and how he's created a platform of exploring ourselves through the practice of meditation. So... Naraj, it's so nice to meet you, brother. Thank you for being here. Welcome to London, Alec. I'm super excited uh, to be here. I'm grateful. I've seen the guys you've interviewed over the last just 12 months, and I look at the names like Rod Stryker and Dylan Werner, my friend Matt Giordano, and I am so excited to be in that company. Thank you. Thank you. Well, so sweet, man. Yeah, it's a pleasure to meet people who are also involved in a lifestyle where coming here, I don't know many people, and it's like, okay, I'm calling in the mindfulness practitioners, the people who are invested in self-discovery, and uh, just sharing an hour-long conversation, not only with the podcast community, but every time, I've always gained so much from them, so super excited to see what we, we dive in, and yeah, you know, the first question that we always ask everyone is, how was yoga first revealed to you? What's your story? How long have you got? Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll give you the shortest version. So I'm, I'm British, but I'm of Indian origin. My parents are immigrants from East Africa. So I was born in the UK. I grew up here. Um, yoga, if we talk about the physical practice, was first revealed to me as a child. Growing up in the UK's Hindu community, I was probably around four, maybe five years old. The first time I did a Surya Namaskar, I was chanting Sanskrit mantras. I don't know if that means yoga was revealed to me, though. That's that's two different things. Um, that all faded away as I moved into adolescence and discovered things like uh, going out and drinking and so on and so forth. And it came back to me. I had quite a sudden experience. So I had a corporate career for a number of years and I learned how to invest in businesses alongside that that career took me to hong kong and back and it was you know, it was something that i was pretty good at but i didn't feel was doing anything great for the world and i got to my late 20s and started thinking about what am i really doing here what am i here for and i was i was a headhunter for investment banks and I really enjoyed it, but post credit crunch, I really started questioning it. You know, what what is the utility of this? And I decided actually, I'd, I'd come back to London by this point. I was working with, I'd been lucky to work with really great companies. I really learned loads from, and people that I enjoyed learning from, and looked up to, and respected. And for the first time, I post credit crunch, I'd come back to London. I was working with. Um, people who I couldn't respect, even though it's a financially successful company, and just decided, actually, my life has got to be about more than this. And by this point, I was really interested in health and really interested in technology. So I decided I'm going to leave my corporate career and start my own business and started looking into these areas. And a couple of months into that process, at the age of 30, I had a stroke out of nowhere. Uh, and this is something that 
has I, I've written about, it's been covered in other interviews, but in the interests of where we want to focus with this, mm-hmm. it came out of nowhere and we don't know the cause. But I'm very, very lucky to be sitting here having this conversation with you, just having my physical capability, having my mental capability. I mean, that's that's debatable, but um, <laughs> but, but, but I get by. Um, and uh, so my neurologist, he, he said a couple of things to me, which were one, never miss a day of medication in your life. And two, until I've made a full physical recovery, I can only do yoga. That was it. So I took that very seriously. And we have a beautiful Ayenga center not far from where I live. So I enrolled myself in a six-week course over there. Like you go once a week for six weeks, like a foundation course. My mother-in-law is a very experienced yoga teacher and yoga therapist. So she spoke with me a little bit. I had my childhood practice. And those three things is what got me going. And I still remember that first ever asana practice. Afterwards, I felt... I, I, don't, I wouldn't say that I felt good because I wasn't in a place where I felt good in my life given what had just happened. I'd just about relearned how to walk and things like that. Um, but I knew that I'd given my body... I think, I think that whoever was leading that practice, I can't remember who it was, but they said something that resonated with me, which was, you've just given a gift to your body. And that was exactly what I felt had happened. Um, so from there, it became something I did two or three times a week at home after I'd done that course. I didn't really want to be around people. I was in quite a dark place mentally. And I started practicing two or three times a week at home. And... It was only 18 months later when I started my first business that it became a daily practice because suddenly I found that 20 or 30 minutes of physical yoga practice at night would really help me sleep. It would. I, I was practicing at midnight, 1 a.m. when I was done and it became this really amazing period between my working life and my uh, and, and my ability to rest and I think that was a start of yoga I talk about yoga and meditation for me at the basic level being like entrepreneurial secret weapons and that was very much the starting point for that so that I think it was from that point on that I really integrated the practice into my life and it's been a habit ever since wow wow what an amazing health journey that is yeah Wow, I'm so grateful as well that you're sitting here across from me, and I know that studio that you're talking about, it's very beautiful. And I'm curious, you know, I think one of the first things that came up for me, you know, I think most people, we we touch yoga, you know, we touch this experience, and we glimpse into how it affects us in such a profound way. And like you said, maybe two to three times a week for X amount of period, you were really giving it a go, and Mm -hmm. then you had this other shift throughout that course, you're like, wow. Yeah. This is this is this is strong, and this hmm. ought to be a daily integration. Yeah. What was that shift like for you? Um, I think it's important to point out. I think it was a reaction because mm. what what had happened. Just to give the correct chrono- chronology to this is my physical recovery took about six months, and during that, it was the two maybe three times a week practice, and then I spent the next year working for a couple of startups trying to figure out what to do, how to start my first business and so on. So this just kind of continued. And then when I finally hit upon my first business, which is in real estate, 
suddenly, as, as anybody who started their own thing would know, I was working an incredible amount of hours. By this point, I'm physically fit again. And it just suddenly made sense to me. I, I can't remember at some point really early on, I must have done a yoga practice at night because it made instinctive sense that when I'd finished working at a desk to have a little bit of a stretch out because that's what it was to me at that stage. And then I slept like a rock that night. So then the next day I did it again, did it again. And before I know it, it's like five, six, seven times a week. And that now, you know, I, I don't know how the purists will feel about this, but mm. if, if my wife and I are sitting here watching a TV show or something, I'll, I'll, I'll have my yoga mat just here and have a little stretch out. Yeah, so, yeah. that's great. Awesome. Mm. Wow. So yeah. what do you feel has been one of the most profound, maybe mental shifts from incorporating meditation into your life, which will then lead us into... Mm what inspired yeah. you to create Meditation Unlocked, thus what is Meditation Unlocked? Sure, sure. So it's important to point out that the main reason that I started having a bit of a stretch out every night was purely for the mental benefits. The, the physical side of it was just a byproduct as far mm. as I saw it. It was because it was starting to help me sleep, but then also I was finding... that The reason for that is because it was helping me clear my mind. I was connecting with myself and dropping all of this external stuff that we carry around. So where meditation came from is I, I had dabbled in meditation. Um, I, I came across things like Headspace really early on when they were quite a young company and thought, yeah, this is cool, but I didn't really need it at that point. Um, and again, like with most people who come to yoga or meditation, it was a reaction again. So I was going through a particularly um, difficult time work-wise and life-wise. There was just a few things going on. I was feeling a bit overwhelmed. And a friend of mine said, you should try this meditation app that I've been using. So I thought, okay, let's give it a go. And so I tried this app for about a week and thought it was wonderful because I realized that, hang on a second, I'm getting the benefits that I get from my physical practice, but I'm getting them faster and I'm getting them without having to be somewhere where I can stretch. You know, I can do this in the lift or I can do this uh, whilst waiting for the tube or, or, or on the tube or whatever. Um, and suddenly started realizing, again, this is, you know, th this informs where my series comes from because this all came from practicality rather than trying to connect to something spiritually it was hang on a second if i can shift my state like this this is going to give me huge advantages in business so from that point on it was it was it i was hooked and i was like hmm. i need to dive deeper into this meditation thing and i just from there just started learning started go, going and seeing people um and then I'd say that from that point, it became my primary practice. Uh, and I still do both. But uh, the one that I go to as a default is the meditation side, because that's what I can incorporate into my day much more in. And, and I'd say that I you know, have several meditations throughout a day now. Uh, some are very conscious, very awake, and some are very deep and very much slipping into other states. Wow, cool. Well, I'm excited to hopefully navigate those different states later mm. into the conversation. Sure. Yeah. Um, so that is a beautiful chronological experience of what brought forth Meditation mm. Unlocked. And uh, with that said, you know, what is the intention of Meditation Unlocked? 
So meditation unlocked, actually, I should explain where it's come from because that will inform the intention. So um, the first business got to a point where it was doing pretty well and I started thinking about do I want to scale this or not and that's that's a property business which I still have and I thought I wanted to scale it and then I tried to scale it and then realized I actually didn't want to scale it and the reasons behind that is I went into that sector as a sensible place to go which I'm not super passionate about bricks and mortar but I tried things in health and technology and hadn't really got anywhere. And it was much more of a desperation move. And desperation is a really powerful thing, you know, uh, so so it worked. And I got to a point where I was like, well, I like this enough to do it well, but I don't love it. The things that I like about the property business is I get to work with some really great people and I get to do some really great deals and we make some of our customers really happy. Um, but this isn't what I wanted my life work, life's work to be. So I decided about two and a half years ago that health and well-being was where I wanted to be. And as I was saying to you before when we were talking, like this is such an interesting time to come to London. And the reason I was saying that in the last three years, the well-being industry here has really taken off like a rocket ship. Mm. Um, there's so much going on. And I, I could see that being a consumer of that industry. Um, you know, I was go- I was going to gym classes and healthy cafes and stuff like that and it's starting to explode so I decided I want to be in that space and I spent basically a year getting to know the space getting to know folks like really I wanted to look at everything from gyms to clothing to technology to food to you know think okay which which of these do I really want to like work in for the next 15 20 years and you'll find this funny by this point I had never considered yoga or meditation as as things that I wanted to be in from a sort of work and um, business point of view. Mm. And I think part of the reason for that is because I was very much outside of the yoga industry, the yoga scene, um, because of the way that things had developed for me, for me, it was a self-practice. It was something I did at home. And it got to a point where I was thinking, okay, I c- could go to a yoga class, but Am I really going to take two to two and a half hours out of my day to travel somewhere, do a 60 to 90 minute practice, travel back? Like I can barely spare time to go, go and like work out at the gym or whatever, but I was, I was doing it because it was important. Um, so uh, where meditation a lot came from, long story short, is uh, about a year ago, I was getting to the point where I needed to make a decision on where, where to go. And I came across some industry stuff around yoga and meditation. And I was like, I, I just remember having this epiphany of how am I not looking at this, right? G- given my background, my history, my the fact the huge parts of my life and actually the other side of me, which is the business side, the investor side, economically, this is a smart place to go because there's huge growth in these areas. And, and the reason for the growth is obvious. I mean, well-being as a whole, the reason I went there is because we're living longer, but we're getting sicker younger. So that means there's an awful lot to do. Awful lot. Um, so, and, and that's, that's a, a global thing as well. So I remember it became really clear I should be looking at yoga and meditation. This is exactly what I should be doing. So then, then, then there was only like two real issues, which is, well, I don't know anyone in this space. and I don't know anything about how the industry is made up. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I knew like like three people through just like well-being circles that I'd got to know and whatever. But I wasn't, you know, I didn't know anything about studios and retreats and like 
yoga product companies and tech platforms and stuff like that. So this is last summer. And that's where my other project, The President of Yoga, came from, which is uh, um, yeah, similar to yourselves. We go and interview a load of yogis from around the world. But our take on that is it's just really about demystifying business. It's very specifically about that side of things. And we just go and interview like studio owners or mm, big name cool. teachers to teachers you've never heard of. And we just delve, we go deep. I'm really into depth. So we go deep into, well, what specifically have you done around this stuff um, and, and we then put it online in, the, in a way that's like really, you know, it's visually attractive and people want to read it. So other yogis read it. So um, it was a very selfish endeavor because what I was doing was meeting with all these people, like, like you're meeting with people. And just I'd sit down and say, well, how did you start your studio? And like, what were the challenges and what, um, you know, where's that industry going? And what's your advice to someone starting? And. I was asking all these things that I wanted to know <laughs> and pressing record and putting it online. <laughs> so, uh, but it's not lost on me that there's value in that for other people, yeah. which otherwise it would never work. Right. right. So it was a re really fun thing to do. And through that, that, that's how I got to know the yoga community. So, so, you know, so someone like you it, coming into London, it might look like I know so many folks in the London yoga scene and I, and I do, but this is all in the last 18 months. Right. Like, like I didn't know, J June the 1st last year, I didn't know anyone. Like uh, June the 7th or 8th, I walked into my first studio class in six years. Um, wow. But it's been an incredible journey in terms of like deepening, widening my practice. Where Meditation Unlocked came from, the intention behind it, going back to your question, is that throughout this next period of getting to know the yoga and meditation worlds, I was thinking I'd love to do something in meditation. For me, that's the practice that I think can have much more of an impact because um, it's just more applicable to more people. It was, you know, that, that especially because of the way that I was finding my own experience with it. And over the winter, um, you know, we established that I'm really into the snow and I spend time in like Colorado and Utah and yeah. places like that. Mm -hmm. um, I, I piggyback trips to New York and LA on, onto those trips in the winter um, and just had a good look at what's going on in the meditation scene and then realized there's a massive gap in London. And that gap is that we don't have many offerings here that are really aimed at non-spiritual, non-yogi types. And um, it just became obvious to me that actually that would be a really good starting point just, just to see what happens. Right. Um, and Meditation Unlocked is still somewhat an experiment and I'll get into that. Uh, and that was in January this year. And then from that point on, I decided, okay, if we're going to do an event series like this, I want it to be really credible. So I spent the next six months just really deepening and widening my own practice, reading loads of um, stuff around meditation, trying lots of different things, seeing a much wider variety of teachers, um, reading a lot of scientific stuff, marrying that scientific stuff up with um, up, up with various practices. Because I knew that for the corporate crowd, which I self-identify as part of at least for you know like what i what i do in the world mm -hmm. i knew that the scientific side was going to be important because these guys are looking for evidence bases and the really interesting thing is that's what we're finding gets people through the door once they've had an experiential benefits of a couple of yoga, uh, meditation practices nobody cares about the science anymore but that's what they need to get them through the door and justify, well, you know, in, in a city like London, where it's so noisy, so many things to do. And when I say noisy, I mean, there's so many options, there's so many things competing for attention. P 
people of a certain type need a rationale to come and do something. And what we're doing is we're providing them that rationale, providing them that evidence base. I guess answering their objections, because their objections around this kind of stuff is, it just seems a bit woo-woo and hippie and all this stuff. And it's like, you know, from my point of view, it may or may not be these things. I don't really care. What I care about is, how is it going to help me just be more effective and be a better person? Mm. Yeah. Wow. That is... uh it sounds like you really are truly creating a, uh, a great service in a city where it is absolutely needed. And to the demographic, that I, I think that's really important too. Yeah. You know, it's like you're showing up for the people who are likely to not. Well, they're just not that well catered for yet. There's stuff coming. There already is and there's stuff coming. And actually some of the other guys in, in that space, we all kind of know each other. It's all very collegiate. Uh, which is nice. Um, from from my point of view, the more credible options there are, the better. Mm. It's it's just like whatever. To give you an analogy, I used to be off the view that you've got these gimmicky forms of yoga that um, that don't look like yoga and they seem like a bit of a like you know the things that are really easy to poke holes at things like beer yoga like you know what what the hell is that? But then <laughs> I got to this point where I realised actually. If it's anatomically safe, if you're not putting people in danger in body or in mind, and we, we pay attention to that on the meditation side, we can talk about that later. Yeah. Um, and it's meeting somebody where they want to be met, then is that not a good thing? Because then if they want to go deeper, they will. I mean, in the West, yoga is, a, it, it, people come to it as a physical practice. They see it on a list of things at the gym. They see like spin, pilates, uh, TRX and yoga and that's what they think it is and I don't have an issue with that because it brings millions of people to the practice mm-hmm. and then, then it opens a door and that, that's very much the view that we've got with the meditation side you know we're not um, I, I don't want to bastardize the practices where what we actually offer is very pure yeah. um, in terms of the practices and, and the quality of them but what we're doing is stripping away some of the barriers that other people perceive Right. Well, I think it's a beautiful reminder even to myself where I have a very committed connection to spirit and a spiritual connection to my own yoga practice and my meditation practice. And it's important for me not to forget what you just said because I first came to the practice as an exercise form, you know, and, and, and I think in that light, those who are interested and have a strong desire to seek further information from other teachers and other forms, the door is open for them. And I think that's, that's a, it's a beautiful reminder. So that's awesome. And yeah, let, let's, let's dive into the aspect of, um, maybe the styles or sure. the approach of meditation yeah, absolutely. of where you're coming from. Yeah. So where we see things is that we talk about meditation in a singular because it's convenient, but actually I see meditation the, the correct analogy, we use a physical analogy a lot because it's so relevant, but the correct analogy for meditation for me would be exercise or sports, i.e. it's an umbrella term under which we have a number of different practices. So I'd say that if we're really talking about meditation, what we're talking about is a series of different meditative practices that actually do different things in our brain, depending on, on what they are and, and so on. Like, you know, mindfulness is different from 
something else to something else to something else. Um, we're trying to move away from the jargon because the jargon has connotations. In terms of our style, it's probably better for me to explain our format um, and, and what we've put together. So it's really important for me to, one, place this in central, beautiful locations. So easily accessible and desirable places people want to go to. This was inspired by seeing um, the likes of Inkscape and Mindful in New York, but also just thinking about the, the way we're wired today. People only do things if they want to do them. It's not. It's not because I think this will be really good. Good for me. Like that's quite rare for most people. They've got to be engaged. So number one, that number two. Um, making it super accessible. And the way we do that is our format is short. Our sessions are typically 45 to 50 minutes long. That will include, and, and we place it at times. So we do Monday, Tuesday evenings at the moment, we do like 6.45 or 7 p.m. So the idea is we, we're creating this space between work and whatever else where people can drop in, do that, but it doesn't take over the whole evening. So there's still time to go for dinner or go home and chill or go back to work or, or whatever, right? Because one of the problems I saw with um, other similar events in this space is that they're two three hours long and it ends up taking off over the whole evening now for the for the corporate types my lawyer and banker and entrepreneur friends it's like that that isn't going to work so that, that, that that's the wrapper that goes around it in terms of what actually happens it's quite simple we spend three or four minutes at the start of every session uh basically getting people comfortable like busting some of the myths around meditation like you must sit that you still and you must clear your mind i mean i i, I would love for someone to teach me how to clear my mind um uh, you, you know again the it's, it's exactly the same as the people who don't do yoga because they're not flexible enough yeah. you know you know as a yogi we look down on that but it's, it's important to understand where that comes from um so we spend two three minutes doing that getting people comfortable then we go straight into a 25 30 minute guided meditation live guided that's really important because it's it makes it really easy for people that guided meditation we try and touch on two or three different things we have a different theme every week it might be meditation and anxiety meditation and sleep meditation and creativity um but that that guided piece will always touch on two maybe three areas one is accessing deep rest so that's just where we will do things like focus on the breath or body just slow the system down activate the parasympathetic nervous system etc etc um you know, induce the relaxation response mm -hmm. the the the, the next piece is training attention. So that's where we will bring some of the more mindfulness-oriented practices in, whether, whether it's um, specifically focused attention or open monitoring or whatever it is, um, doesn't really matter so much. It's more about giving somebody a basic um, idea of how these things work. And we always work with two or three different approaches. It might be visual, it might be audio, audio whatever. Um, and then the last bit is... Um, we always touch on a bit of connection-based practices. So again, in, in our terminology, it would be like loving kindness or meta or that mm -hmm. kind of thing. And the, the, the reason for that is, what one, we live in a city where people feel very isolated. You know, the irony is there's like 9 million and growing, but everyone feels really isolated now. People don't feel listened to, acknowledged, heard. So this is a way of recreating that connection and really taking advantage of the group experience, but in a non 
um, in a non-threatening way because what people find threatening is things like eye-gazing meditations or having to talk to a stranger or that kind of thing, right? Uh, you know, especially in this reserved British culture. Um, so we touched on it partly for that reason uh, because there's logical sense to it, but also because there's a growing body of um, scientific stuff around uh, age and age-related, cellular aging and age-related diseases and so on. So that's the practice. And then, then we come out of that uh, we spend the last 15 minutes of the session having a little discussion on, okay, what is the science around this? And we take a robust look at the science. We cite specific journals, in, in again, in a super accessible way. Um, and we don't just accept, hey, this is science, because I think there's too much of that that goes on in the well-being industry. It's more a case of actually, let's take a proper look at the science and what's the validity of this of these trials like was it 20 people over one week or was it 2000 people over six months and were the controls done properly and is there a, is there a body that's willing to sit behind it that has some credibility and so on but we don't we don't go too deep into that stuff but it's important to acknowledge it and then the last um, part of that sort of 10-15 minutes is talking about a couple of practical ideas how can you incorporate these things into your life because I think that's really important to give people something they can go away with. So that's the that's the experience. That, cons- that consistency is there, regardless of who's leading the practice, where that practice is happening. But then, of course, it changes based on the teacher, changes based on the venue, changes based on the mood of the crowd. Right. Um, we always stick around for a bit of, you know, we're available for 15 minutes afterwards for questions. There's always lots of questions. And then the other side of Meditation Unlocked is the online community that we're building, which, um, you know, that sounds really grand what it means is we send an email out twice a week um, and um, what what that contains is we will share like short guided meditations or a TED talk or a article or a book recommendation but again it's all had our, our filter on it in terms of like is this accessible is it does it stand up to scrutiny um, is it something that people can consume very easily because a lot of people who are signed up to our list are people who are interested in meditation, but they haven't necessarily taken a step to come come to a session or something like that. And that, that's pretty much the whole offering. The, awesome. the only other things that are worth pointing out is, uh, you know, we're working with uh, um, a handful of different meditation guides from different backgrounds. Um, that's important. Like, you know, we're not, we're not set on a specific style or system. Cool. Um, we have a hookup with, the, with a mental health charity called Mind, um, which is the UK's leading mental health charity. And the reason for that, there's, there's sort of two things. One is that it's really important for us to have someone we can refer people to because we, if we look at the spectrum of mental health from at one end of the scale, I'm a little bit overwhelmed, a little bit stressed, a little bit anxious. That's most people in London, all the way through to I've got a serious, you know, I'm dealing with something serious from a psychological point of view. At that scale, at that end, we can't help people at that end and it's actually dangerous for them right. to come to our session. So we have a really clear mental health disclaimer, all that kind of stuff. You you cannot reserve a space on one of our sessions without having checked that disclaimer. Um, but if we're going to have things like that, then we also need to be able to say, actually, this is where you can go to for some help. So we have that charity hookup and we also have a clinical advisor who... She's an arrhythmia nurse and yoga cancer therapist who works in London's leading hospitals and part of her role is designing bespoke yoga and meditation programs for cancer ther- cancer wow. patients. So she looks at what we're putting out there and actually like the main thing she does is make sure that I don't say anything really stupid. Um, you know, that's really important for me to have. Um, so 
you know, there's a nice little community of facilitators, um, professionals, uh, event hosts, like who are all pulling in together to, to build, you know, you said it yourself, a platform, like this is not, this is about building something that can affect a lot of people. And we'll do that through events and through developing our online. That's amazing. I yeah. love it. I love it. So what have you found? What's something that arose from me? I'm curious, what is one of the most interesting, um, we could call it scientific facts or some of the, uh, things that you've discovered through those articles that you were mm-hmm. sharing in those sessions. Yeah. Can you share okay. something? Um, I think the one that seems to get the best reaction is when we start talking about telomeres and Dr. Elizabeth Blackburn. Are you familiar with I'm this? Not. Okay, so uh, Dr. Elizabeth Blackburn won the Nobel Prize for Medicine a few years ago for her research around cellular aging. And she was the first person who had been able to link um, cellular aging to mind-body practices as part of this work. And earlier this year, she released a book for anyone listening that's called The Telomere Effect, Dr. Elizabeth Blackburn, well worth a read. And this was to do with the effect of meditative practices on cellular aging and age-related diseases. So one of the ways that we explain it is that, um, you know, of what's happening for us mentally affects our physical aging in a way that's not linked to our chronological age. So a good example of that is like, if you know somebody and you know, they've been through some really deep trauma, like, you know, they're like, it's horrible, but like, you know, their spouse dies or a child dies or something like that, you know, something really deep and tragic and you, you don't, you know, it happens and you see them six months later and they look like they've aged 10 years. The reason for that is because they have aged 10 years from a cellular point of view. Um, and what this body of research shows that through these practices, we can curb some of those effects. So that's why, you know, you get a lot of yogis and meditators who look so much younger than they actually are. Right. That's partly the reason. Part of the other reason is because they probably choose not to be stressed and, and so on and so forth. Um, but e- even so, uh, the way we package that one up is just, you know, we talk about meditation as an alternative to Botox and that always gets right. a good laugh. But, yeah. but but it's rooted in scientific fact sure. and it's an interesting body yeah wow that's a really cool book and uh, we'll definitely link that into the description so thank yeah. you for that that's mm-hmm. awesome um wow well i'm really loving the 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 depth of where meditation unlocked and i think one of my favorite things that you said is that you have multiple approaches or styles of teaching you know i think um many of the teachers that i have interviewed um have aligned themselves with one style of meditation. And for me, I've gone from multiple styles of meditation to being where I am now and incorporating a various amount of um, little nuggets from each style. So, yeah. you know, I'm curious. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting subject. I think for somebody to be a true subject matter expert, they need to go deep. And that, that's why we find lots of meditators or, or yogis even who are very deep into one particular school of right. thought or philosophy. Um, but And, and that, that, that's partly what we look for, right? We're looking for like functional experts. Um, but at, as an overall picture for Meditation Unlocked, it makes sense for us to have lots of different people like that in the same way that in a yoga studio you would find people who are deep into yin or rocket or ashtanga or yenga or whatever right it's the same thing but the only difference is from a meditation point of view at least in london we don't yet understand that meditation is not a singular thing there's not one meditation it's a number of different practices akin to 
I, I would argue it's it's as different as swimming is to cycling is to rock climbing is to weight training. Um, they're all physically beneficial in the same way like any credible meditation style is mentally beneficial, but they are actually doing different things. So we're looking for people who... Um, we're looking to incorporate several of those things because we're looking for a fully rounded offering. Cool. Can you, can you share some, um, I'm curious, like specific, uh, approaches or styles that have different benefits? Yeah, sure. Uh, absolutely. Um, I think we, we try and keep things simple and super accessible and the, so, so to answer that question, simple things like just learning to focus on one's breath we do a lot of that kind of thing because it's so accessible like people can do that by themselves um so it's something they can take away and we can say well look this this can be a five minute practice and whatever um i think for london that one is really important because slowing down our system is how we can access our parasympathetic nervous system how we can um access rest and healing functions and so on but why it becomes so important is because we're overstimulated in this city and we have 24 access 7 access to our smartphones so we have all this information and stuff at our fingertips and entertainment which is wonderful but the cost of that is that too much of that is not a good thing so the way again the way we talk about that is uh it's well accepted that if we just push ourselves physically all the time day in day out and we don't rest and we don't get the right nutrition and we don't get the right sleep then our body is going to break down that's 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 a given fact like we cannot push it and and not expect to happen but yet that's what we're doing with our minds but by incorporating these kind of deliberate rest type practices we can start regulating that and become even more effective so i think that's um that's a really great practice and we, we always have some focus on that. And it might, you know, it's not always a breath. It might be moving around mm -hmm. different parts of the body. Sure. But the beauty of that, whilst we're doing that, the breath in particular, when we start focusing on the breath, it just starts slowing down anyway. Mm -hmm. um, but the beauty of that particular practice is it's also starting to delve into some of the mindfulness stuff like present moment awareness and training attention and training focus. Because if I'm going to make a shopping list of like problems in London today, mm -hmm. number one, is that people just aren't rested. Number two, we're just, we're over distracted. People are losing the ability to focus. So if we go back to why I'm into this kind of stuff or why I got into it in the first place, um, I, I do see meditation at the big level as an entrepreneurial secret weapon because it helps me to be more productive. It helps me to be more focused. It helps me to be more creative. Mm. Mm. I love that creativity and focus and productive productive that's, that's a beautiful byproduct of sitting still exactly <laughs> exactly and it's, it's just i i just think that in this world 2017 we've just kind of lost what was there naturally when we just didn't have all these options there, yeah. there was a time where not so long ago where we didn't have internet we had four tv channels and that meant that actually you spent time you spent time having dinner with your family and talking to them and then reading a book and you know all, all these things that are considered mindful activities now they were normal activities a few <laughs> years ago and it wasn't that long ago yeah. yeah wow so what do you think is one of the greatest tips if you will that you could offer someone who's looking to you know i'm sure many of our listeners have hmm. dabbled with meditation and may have a very consistent meditation practice what is one of the greatest offerings a tip that you could offer to someone um 
who wants to embark onto a daily meditation practice? If we're talking about in terms of your listeners, because they're mostly going to be yogis who have some understanding of meditation, have dabbled in it and so on. If we're talking specifically to that crowd, honestly, I would say if you want to get into meditation, just commit for a period of time. Like I, th- I think dabbling is a dangerous thing because mm. it, it, it's, it's useful to put a toe in to get a sense of something. Mm. But actually, if you really want to know, then I'm talking about just like may- maybe seven days or 14 days. Just decide cool. you're going to um, have a meditation practice for 10 minutes a day for those seven days. Schedule it in your calendar like a meeting with somebody else. Try and build some accountability into it. I mean, this has got nothing to do with meditation. This has got everything to do with habit, um, which which I think is actually what's lacking. I don't think your listeners need more information. Hmm. That's not the... That's not what's going to change anything. It's actually looking at things in a different way. And that is commit, find a partner, go to a group like Meditation Unlocked or go go to the Buddhist Center or whatever. Like even if it's something that you're not really into, but just decide that for, you know, sort of set seven days or 14 days, you're going to do that. And I think that's the best way, like learning by doing rather than, I, I think there's a real danger of over theorizing on things. I love that so much. That's beautiful. Yeah, I think uh, making a powerful choice and just committing. And, and it's, you know, what my belief is like, do something properly or don't do it at all. And, mm. and, and I believe that in every asana, in everything, like, you know, if you're going to do warrior two, then do it properly or don't yeah. do it at all. Yeah. Right. Like, like yeah. I, I just, I, I think if you can make that kind of linear choice in your life mm. and become conscious, mm. then it, it just makes life easier. Mm. Okay, so here's another question. What would you offer the listeners who are teachers Mm -hmm. and who do share meditation either solely as an offering? Like I know some Mm -hmm. beautiful Vedic meditation teachers. I love Um, Vedic. It's a beautiful practice. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, maybe also other teachers who incorporate into their asana practices at the end or before of classes. what's What's something that you'd offer them? Offer them in in what sense to Offer help them, them be more in, effective or well actually let's rephrase the question yeah. and for the for the business entrepreneurs in the the mm-hmm. work the, the daily workload people who are coming to your practices mm-hmm. for these people who are showing up in the uh, uh, yoga room mm-hmm. for some of our listeners who are teachers. What is something that you would offer? Because you have a lot of experience with these people, like yeah. you identify. As I am someone, one. Yeah, you're you're a corporate corporate mm-hmm. man. Yeah. So. What what's something that you'd offer the yo- listening yogi who teaches someone like you? Um, it's a really good question. I, I I want to take some care in how I answer it because I think it's really important that every person who's leading, guiding, teaching yoga, meditation, or whatever it is, if you're teaching a course on Excel or investment, it doesn't matter. I think it's really important to be yourself, which is the most simplistic thing to say <laughs> and so hard to do. So what, what, I, what I, the reason I want to be careful is because I'm not saying, I, I don't think you should change what you're doing just to accommodate somebody who's in the room. I, I think especially in cities like London, there's so many different offerings that there's something for everyone. But if somebody is thinking, I would like to address those people specifically, I want to like make sure they're incorporated. I, it, it's, a, it's a really tricky one, but people 
on the corporate side, entrepreneur side, who are sort of wired like me, we like facts, we like detail, we don't like um, we don't like over fluffiness. So it's I think practicality is there, and it, it could even be something as simple as if you want to find out more about how you can incorporate these ideas into your daily life, come and have a chat with me afterwards. That kind of thing. Cool. I, I also think as a general thing, we get into a slightly more generalization. Mm-hmm. I really respect the yoga teachers and the meditation teachers who build into their schedule to be available for 15 minutes after a class instead of running off to teach the next one. Because I think that shows a commitment to their students. I think that shows a respect for their students where they're just really willing to be there for them. And the, the guys who I see doing that, they're the ones who have the loyal followings. Mm. Yeah, I think that that's absolutely critical. You know, I mean, I I think that's one of the greatest ways into, into service. Like, yes, we can share in a group setting. And mm. also, I've always found that the real transmission and the real potency for me occurs in a one-on-one conversation where, oh, yeah. wow, I get to bear witness yeah. to your experience and yeah. honor your experience by listening and maybe reflecting, or I don't have anything to reflect. You, you just needed someone to listen to. You know, yeah, that totally. Is- I mean, that, that that's why Meditation Unlocked has started as a live event series, because we could put this, we could film this online in a beautiful studio, put it online, etc., etc. And, you know, there's other people doing stuff like that. And I think the beauty of that is it takes away the distribution problem. It means mm-hmm. that geography is not a barrier, time's not a barrier. But the reason I wanted to start in live events was so we had that, person-to-person interaction because coming back to the fact that meditation in non-spiritual non-yogi non-religious settings is underdeveloped in this city the first thing for me was to actually get a sense of well what does this city really need and the best way for that i could think of to do that in a non-risky way without spending hundreds of thousands of pounds to open a studio in central london which is something that somebody should do and will do um Rather than doing that, I thought, if we do an event series, then I can start testing and experimenting in a few ways. And the first of these is, are people who are not traditionally into these things willing to pay money and spend an hour of their time with us? That was the first thing. Now, I was pretty sure they would be, but it needs to be tested. The more important thing is to get a sense of, well, who's coming? Why are they coming? And what are they really looking for? Mm -hmm. And we can only find that out with that one-to-one interaction, those chats afterwards. Um, And they've been so fulfilling and informing. And we've changed our timings, our formats. We've dropped things. We've added things as a reaction to that. And as as a result of that, our sessions have got better and better and better. But also it's that satisfaction of, um, you know, I think this is the fuel for anyone who's kind of sharing this kind of stuff when somebody comes up to you and says, you know, I really wasn't sure about that. And I've tried stuff like this before, but now I really got it. Mm-hmm. And something that Ashley or Natalie or one of our other meditation guides said, that really resonated. And, it, and it, sometimes it's really simple stuff like realizing they have the permission to change their position and move around or open their eyes or whatever and it's like because i had that freedom now i got it and i think by not doing things in a live setting that's what we lose and going back to what you were saying by teaching a class and then rushing off to teach the next one you lose that opportunity not only to be there for your students but also to 
get that fuel that replenishes you or get a piece of feedback that's like, hey, hang on a second. Maybe we need to think about that. Yeah. And then make your offering even better. Yeah. I think uh, there's a real level of uh, like that nourishment and restoration, you know. Yeah. And, and then at that point, it's, it's not all about you, you know. No, not and at all. That's not yeah. why we're doing this. Not at all, yeah. You know, and I, I think that one thing I've always asked myself is like, what matters most to me? Why am I here? I love the question that you were asking yourself in your late twenties. You're like, what, yeah. why am I on this planet? Like, yeah. The, the existential what? crisis. Yeah. yeah you know, <laughs> it's like, Saturn's return. It's coming yeah. in hot. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think it's such a beautiful mm-hmm. reminder, you know, to ask ourselves, how, how can I be of service? And I think that, I don't think I know. I feel that you're yeah. really creating something beautiful well, the, service here. You just reminded me of something else that we've been talking about a little bit. And it's this idea of um, transitions in the day. And again, this is interesting for anybody, whether they're a um, sharer of yoga or, or meditation, or, or they're just like, you know, they've just got like a regular job and they're interested in these things or whatever. And it, this has been quite a powerful one for me. And, the reason you triggered it, it will become apparent in a second. It's this idea that when we have a transition in our day, so when I go from like doing some work on a computer to Alex coming over to interview me or whatever, that's a transition. And then when you're gone from here, I'll move into the next thing. That's another transition. Actually building in a couple of minutes to just sit and breathe, mm. sit and breathe and release whatever tension is there and whatever. And then, and then, taking 30 seconds to think about, okay, this next thing I'm about to do, what is my intention and how do I want to feel and what do I want to get out of it? And it's just a way of resetting and making sure that we're having a full experience. And and for me, that in, in the end, that that's just what life is about. It's like making the most of what we're here rather than the way that um, Facebook and Instagram would rather have us screwed up and, you know, I'd be sitting here doing this interview with you whilst I'm checking my messages and so on. Um, it, it's just about that reminder that, it, going back to, if I'm going to do something, do it properly. Right. And I think that's a, going back to a previous question, what kind of tools are interesting or useful? That's like a massive one. Well, you know, I'll, I'll respond to that with a trigger within me that just came up with a beautiful, beautiful trigger. It was a beautiful point of awareness. It's, um, actively listening to who's in front of us where i'll say i'm i'm fully guilty of, of this sometimes. hey we all are we all yeah. are you yeah. know sometimes i'm having a conversation and i'm looking at my phone and like 60 percent listening which is like i'm not listening to you like i want to be so let me put my phone away and i apologize let me be present with you because hmm. you deserve that and i deserve that i deserve to, to give that my full presence to you so i think that that uh, is also a byproduct of a, a practice. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, for, for me, what it all comes down to in the end is about sort of co- conscious choice. So whatever we're doing, let's be conscious of why we're doing it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if, if somebody wants to be the biggest jerk in the world, but they've consciously decided that's what they're going to be, I, I don't, I might not like that, but I can respect it. <laughs> I can respect that a hell of a lot more than... I'm just going to do whatever, you know, whatever whim or fantasy takes me to. And I don't know why. Mm. Wow. Well, Niraj, this has been such a beautiful conversation. And thank you so much for sharing your gifts and, and revealing to us how meditation and yoga has 
created such a beautiful uh, uh, pathway in your life to share your heart and your being. And Absolutely. And, th- and th- thank you. You know, I really appreciate this. I still consider myself as an absolute baby in some of these things. And uh, really excited to see how Meditation Unlocked develops, yeah. how, how I develop next to it. But what we're hoping is that one way or another we can build a movement that really helps people manage their minds a little bit better and understand that relationship a bit better and just just help them have a happier experience because ultimately i think i think this is a good point for me to um end on what i've realized is what i'm really building here is a performance optimization business that happens to do meditation events at this stage and happens to be in a meditation field but what we're really interested in is uh, mental well-being all facets of it and the other side is and it, this is something we understood from day one which i think is critical the business we're really in is just helping people feel good or feel better that mm. that's all it comes down to the way we're doing that is what informs our choice of venue and music and format and event and how all that works but it's really everyone who's involved under, understands that actually our fundamental job is to help people feel better and that's why we do little things like that i don't see so many others doing like um at the end of our sessions there will be somebody at the door who greets everybody on their way out and says thank you for coming and thanks for being here and acknowledges and makes eye contact with every single person and that's just as a safety net to make sure that everybody feels like they've been paid attention to wow i love that wow that's beautiful and Mm -hmm. I think that's an awesome way to, to close with the final question we always ask is, what is a golden nugget of wisdom that you would send off to our listeners as they carry on with their day or they just begin their days? Oh, my God. Um, I think for me, it's just life is fragile. Uh, mm. I, I came so close to death or incapacitation at, at a fairly young age. And it's just from that day on, that realization that we're here for such a fleeting time where, um, you know, actually, I, I still wonder whether we're really quite insignificant in the bigger scheme of things, like the, the way I try to look at it. I mean, I mean, again, this is my sort of logical, analytical, data-driven mind. I, I sometimes find it hard to believe we're anything more than over-evolved apes on a dying rock screaming around a dying star. And I think... So when we put that into context, like whatever we're here to do and whatever we want to do, just make it count, make the most, choose to be happy, choose to do good things, choose to make an impact on the world. I get asked a lot, why should people do yoga or why should people meditate? And I always say, I don't think they should necessarily. I think they should do what makes them happy and what's going to make a positive impact on the world. Mm. Love life and shine on. I love that. Yes. Thank you so much, brother. Thank you. Namaste. Thank you, Alec. Namaste. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time, slowing down, and listening to this episode and seeking how you can integrate meditation into your day, no matter where you are in the world. It is a true blessing to be sharing the gift of yoga with you. This is Alec Vishal Rubin. And I feel honored to be realizing my mission on this planet and accessing its truth and wisdom through the transmission of this podcast. Following our hearts will always bring us into the illumination of whatever path we want to choose to walk down. And this is a gift that daily meditation and consistent practice has produced for Niraj, his community, and also for me. 
If you're in London, feel free to check out Niraj's social media links in the blog description. And stay tuned over the next few weeks as I will record an episode and share what it's been like for me to enter a graduate degree program that navigates the deep depths of yoga and moving to a foreign country. It has been nearly a year since I recorded my episode back in India, and I'm so excited to give you guys an update. May your day be blessed, filled with miracles, and steeped in love for the life we get to live. Until next time, practice strong and live light. This is your brother from Colorado, living in London, Alex Shaw Rubin. Namaste. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.